Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here, of course, with the lovely Tina Spring. And today, we're going to talk about, I had three different clients over the course of the last month or so contact me in one shape, one way, shape, or form about their dogs. And there's some similarities and there's some differences between the dogs. So we're going to talk about the problems that they've presented and how they might be related. So the first one is a shepherd puppy who's probably about a year old and he's become very aroused and very barky. As she said, he barks at everyone who goes by the house, and even when they're out of sight, he continues to bark. He's demand barking at her. Sometimes she doesn't know what it is he wants. She knows he wants something, but sometimes she can't play with him if that's what he wants, and he still continues to bark. And so he's become very barky, and she's sort of at a loss as to what to do. The second one is a doodle dog who's probably a year and a half. And this dog is fine during the day, but in the evening when they are sitting there trying to watch TV, she gets very upset when the husband, about the husband being there, and she will bark and go after him. And even when he leaves the room, she'll come back in and she'll settle. But it doesn't seem to matter what he does, whether he plays with her or he feeds her or he trains her or whatever during the day, during the evening when they're trying to settle down together, the dog it won't settle until the husband leaves the room. However, he sleeps with them just fine, so they're at a loss as to what to do. The, su- the third dog, <clears throat> excuse me, is a seven-month-old, yeah, five to seven-month-old shepherd puppy and who is... Um, he is a very aroused dog. He's very much sort of demands attention. He will jump on the couch and paw you. He will stick his, he will get right up in your space. He does not seem to be able to settle. He too is barky at the door. He's very mouthy. He tends to nip at his girl who's 12. If she's leaving the room, he'll nip it behind. And he's just not settling at all. Now, one of the things that I have mentioned to all three of them is the idea that maybe what we might need is a little bit more sleep. So, Tina, I wanted you to expound on that because you're really my guru for sleep. You're the one who has really brought me around to understanding the need for sleep more sleep for more dogs, and you have a really great grasp on this, including a whole series of videos on it. So I would like you to give us your opinion on what you think is going on with these three dogs and what we might do to help them out. Well, it's good to see you again. Happy 2021. So one of the things that I think I see a lot with families is that they expect adolescent puppies to self-regulate on sleep, which is kind of like thinking your 13-year-old boy is going to self-regulate on sleep. Like it really just doesn't, it doesn't work all that well, right? They, they think they'll sleep when they're 85. Thank you very much, right? They have things to do that they could potentially miss out on. And so what you start to see, how that manifests 
is the dog being really raw, right? So going from one negative attention-seeking behavior to the next negative attention-seeking behavior, they're kind of hyperactive, they're mouthy, they're not as responsive to when you're like asking them to do something as they typically would be. Um, They just can't settle. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like their brain is itchy, (laughs) it's it's kind of like the whole part of them is itchy their brain's itchy their body's itchy their everything about them makes them itchy twitchy and i can't settle and which reminds me once again of toddlers who have broken through that wall they need a nap and they're not going to do anything to lay down and take that nap instead they're going to do whatever it takes to keep themselves up right and so what the reason i think families are resistant when we say like could be this puppy's overtired is because the human's experience of all of this is the dog is hyperactive. And so every fiber of our body says, direct them, tell them what to do, tell them no, try to exercise them, try to do enrichment, try to do this, try to do that. And in my experience, it all makes it worse. Because <laughs> now you're arguing with a puppy the same way you would be arguing with an overtired toddler in Target. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't work very well. Um, I am interested about the the doodle situation that you talked about. Um, it makes me think about um, back when I was married, my sweet um, father-in-law, who's no longer with us, um, he at one point had to go into the hospital, into the cardiac care unit for some testing. He was having some issues with his heart. And one of the things that eventually we noticed was that when my mother-in-law would enter the room, his heart rate would drop. Um, And so eventually one of the nurses was like, hey, could you take her for a walk? (laughs) (laughs) And so what so one of the things that I'm wondering with the doodle is like are potentially is there something going on like between the humans? Like maybe they have a difference of opinion on how to deal with the doodle or maybe dad is more likely to play with the dog and the dog is showing its butt um, with dad because that's a more difficult relationship, like whatever that might be. So what I would say is Typically, when you're trying to put this adolescent puppy down for a nap, they they say unkind things, (laughs) right? They're like, no, 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 I don't need a nap. You're a big fat jerk face. Your mom doesn't even think you're smart and pretty. Like, they're just mean. They're just mean when you try to put them down for a nap because they're slangry. They're slangry. Yeah. So, so, um, all three of these puppies, if somebody handed them to me and said, fix it for 10 days, they'd be on a really pretty heavy duty sleep schedule. And then we'd see how that brain is, right? They're teenagers. They're tired. They don't even know they're tired and they're afraid they're going to miss something. And they're also probably struggling with how to have a spam folder for the environment. Like, what do we need to lose our marbles about and what what is just normal everyday stuff? Um, so the easy answer is to preempt it. So, for example, the, the rah-rah shepherd puppies who are barking out the window would be busted back to puppy status where they don't get that kind of access to the environment. They might be on a leash. I might be using the crate. I might be using a playpen. I might be using gating. I am 
I am not quick to close the blinds. Um, honestly, I want as much light as I can get this time of year. Um, so instead, I manage where the dog is. And that might mean that an adolescent puppy, well, so an adolescent puppy in my house is on a leash until they're 18 months old because they're fools. So if you go to the front of the house barking about every bit of squirrel flatulence that occurs, you are not going to be allowed to practice that. That's insane. We're not doing that. The adrenal dump from that is going to make you insane for five days. And I don't want to have to deal with like brain cells embedded in the walls, mine or theirs. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, we are not doing that. We are not doing that. The doodle, the first time she fussed at daddy, I'm going to, oh my gosh, the, the dog trainers are all going to freak out. The first time she fussed at daddy, her tail would be put in a crate in another room with something to chew on. And I would say, you know what? Take your angst out on somebody else. So basically what I told them was something along that same line was that when the dog barks or goes after the dad, it's not the dad who gets to leave the room. It's the dog that the dog is put in a crate in another room. Well, or put out in the backyard to play if it's a fenced yard, right? Right. It is. We are not doing this. Like, you don't get to boss daddy around. And then I said that uh, she may complain about it. And but and that's, you know, that's probably what she's going to do. She does not get released from her crate until she's compliant or until she's, you know, showing some manners. And um, if she if she does it again, well, back she goes into the crate. But I think the idea of actually helping her to settle in for a nap is the part of the puzzle that I did not give them. And that I'm at the end of this podcast, I will be sending a very detailed email to this client saying, hey, I only gave you part of the solution. Here's another part to try if what we did didn't work. Because I did tell her I well, wanted to talk to you about this. Oh, that's that's too cute. So, what, so I will say we're going through this with not an adolescent dog, with the 10-year-old terrier, right? The 10-year-old terrier's entire flow chart points to shriek like you're being murdered if you're being slightly inconvenienced and not getting what you want. Like, he gets very aroused very quickly. This, by the way, is the manifestation of exactly what you're talking about in an adolescent dog, now in a 10-year-old dog, right? Like, we have this dog who, oh, he's fascinating. And he's he, he tries my patience sometimes. He's also adorable and cute and charming and very biddable and very trainable. So... The downside of that intelligence is that he's figured out that like maniacal shrieking cannot really be ignored by the humans. Like we will, we will do anything to make that stop. So, so we, we are taking a multimodal approach to this set of situations. It specifically starts about feeding time. So, um, so one, we're increasing variability in the routine so um, I might put him on a leash and take him for a walk while Chris feeds everybody else. And then when he comes home, I feed him. Or he, I might feed him at four o'clock and everybody else eats when daddy gets home. Or he might, everybody might just get their evening intake of food in Kongs in the afternoon and there are no bowls involved. Like, throwing off what the schedule is. I might broadcast his food out into the backyard and set him to go hunt it up. 
So I'm trying to pull the energy out of the system so that he's never really getting aroused. I love that. Um, I love that. And in fact, I tell people to be variable. I said, there's a distance between predictability and rigidity. You know, you can be predictable with your dogs. My dogs know that they're going to get fed between 6 and 10 a.m. and 6 and 10 p.m. So there's that predictability. It's just not rigid. It doesn't have to be exactly at 6 p.m. Right. No, I would actually argue, please, for the love of goodness, don't make it at six o'clock every day. Because then when the time change happens, you have a dog who's insane. And then you're mad at them. Right. Like you have the dog who's waking you up at five o'clock in the morning to go, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, that's kind of what Clemmy's been doing, even though we try to be very variable. But I tend to get up at my alarm goes off at six for me to get up. And they're like, yes, it's mom. This is so that's the thing, right? Like you and I are of an age where our our routines, especially pre-coffee, are pretty fixed. Like, like I was joking the other day, we ran out of coffee during the holidays and Chris told me, well, he told me in the morning before coffee. And so I had to go buy coffee at our local, um, I'm going to give a free shout out to Jittery Joe's in Athens, Georgia. Y'all are the bomb. So, so I had to go and buy coffee before I had had coffee, right? So we don't normally purchase from them, but they're awesome. They're absolutely awesome if we run out of our regular coffee. So I go to the drive-thru and they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, whatever is the most chocolatey coffee you have. And then I get to the I get to the little window because I'm driving through, right? It's COVID. I've got a mask on the whole nine yards. And she's like, do you want light roast or dark roast? Do you want stars and moons or do you want fairy dust? And I'm like, okay, I love you. You are asking me coffee questions before I've had coffee. Just Just make your best guess. It'll be fine. Like... <laughs> I can't actually answer any more questions. All of my bandwidth is taken up with driving the car and tying my mask on. So uh, we t- we brought home lovely coffee, right? So so one of the things that I think happens is the dog is turning up the temperature on our brains and we run out of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then like we... Right. We're pre-coffee, right? So we might be giving in to behaviors or being really, really kind of routine and forced into a game of you're doing it wrong from the dog instead of kind of grabbing a hold of what are our options. Right. So, for example, the, the doodle who yells at daddy might get her entire evening intake of food frozen in Kongs in her crate with breaks where she gets to come out and be polite and then go back to her crate for the, for part two of dinner. Right. So that we just break up the cycle. So it's interesting because when Christopher and I were pulling apart this stuff about Mr. He said, you know, you're one of the things that I loved about you when we met was your dogs were not insane about feeding time. And I was like, right. Cause they never knew when it was going to happen. Like I have, <laughs> I have a sister whose dog constantly adjusts feeding time until she gets three meals a day. It's, it's amazing. It's phenomenal to watch. Um, Cause she just keeps pressuring and hassling her owner until her owner gives in. So 
my dog's never had a feeding time. It's like, you're going to get two meals a day. It'll be fascinating to see when they happen. They might happen at 10 and 2. They might happen at 6 and 6. They might happen at noon and 8. Like, I will not feed you while you're begging me to feed you. So one, sometimes predictability gives a dog, especially an adolescent brain, um, structure to know how to navigate and to manage themselves in a happy, healthy, well-behaved way, right? They're like, oh, good, I know what's going to happen. Other times, structure for other dogs will result in a dog who's kind of like suddenly like Germans running the trains, right? Like it will happen on the schedule. Do not deviate from the schedule. Any deviation from the schedule is a problem. So I think navigating for your own dog how to get around all of that is important. But I'm still going to say at the end of the day, in all three of these cases, these brains sound tired, right? They're kind of raw. They're paying attention to stuff that probably should be kind of neutral in the background. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah, right? So, so, I mean, for most households right now, we're getting more deliveries than we've gotten in the past. People, well, maybe not where you are, but here the weather's a little more moderate. So people are walking a lot and my dogs are barkier when people are walking a lot. So I just changed the setup of how everybody is managed in the house so that that stopped. So the pug who's deaf is in the room that has the most windows because he doesn't stare out the windows. Jack typically is taking a nap on my bed in the back bedroom back bedroom where there's not windows toward the front of the house and Marco and the terrier are in my office with me, which again faces the back of the lot. So just making that change made it a lot quieter. Marco can't because he can't sleep. He doesn't self-regulate very well. He can't go to the front of the house and, you know, raise the alarm every 26 minutes. And get the whole house amped up and crazy. Instead, there's a gate and he can't do that. So he just sleeps. So the other thing I would say is normally typical family that I'm working with had an elderly dog who slept all the time, who's passed away and is waiting for us wherever we go next. And then they get a puppy and they expect the puppy to self-regulate like an adult old dog. Oh, yes. Yes, I get that a lot. And they, and they don't. No, they no, just don't. They and, and and I will mm-hmm. also say some adult dogs don't. Right. Marco is by his nature an anxious, worried, aroused dog. He will not self-regulate. He doesn't. I have to put structure in place so that he can let it go and sleep. And I mean, honestly, I had foster kids like that that you know, we were like all but smudge in the room to to create a setup so that that brain could let go the other things and then could sleep. So how do you get your puppy to sleep? That, that was going to be the next question because I've also talked to a lot of people saying, look, you need to institute nap time for these dogs. You need to give them a nap. In the, but let's start. Okay, they're sleeping well during the night. That's great. 
They need, let's start with getting a nap in in the morning and a nap in the afternoon. They ask, so, so what do I do? I, I know he needs a nap, and, um, but I don't know how to get him down. And so one of the things I tell them is I said, you know, the dog should be up for no more than 45 minutes. And so at a half an hour, you should be thinking about doing what you can do to get him to, to go. Hi. They can't get the dog to settle down for a nap, and he drives him crazy, so they let him out. Right. So that's because we pushed the dog too deep into the system, right? So what I try to explain to families, what that titrate down to sleep and to sleep looks like. It's when they lay down and chew on a bone. That's the same as thumb sucking and dragging their blankie. If when you see that behavior, you say, what a smart, awesome dog you are. Let's go outside and potty go into your nap area with the thing you were chewing on, they fuss for a couple of minutes and they go to sleep. It's when you try to put them down for a nap after they've been screaming in the backyard for 30 minutes at every neighbor kid out playing in the snow that of course they're going to complain when you put them in the crate. They're crazy. They're overtired. So I think that's one of the things that's really, I don't know, maybe parents get it when their kids are older, maybe they don't, but I don't want to be constantly arguing with my learner. I want to take advantage of the natural stuff that's there, which means putting your child down for a nap before they're losing their boogers at you because they're overtired and overstimulated. And the same with the puppy. And there's a little bit, I think, with our dogs, it's like, okay, well, the puppy's behaving. I don't want to punish him by putting him down for a nap. I'm 51 years old, y'all. Like, I just had a birthday. A nap sounds like a beautiful gift. It does not sound like a punishment. If someone right now, Julie right now said, you know what? You seem tired. Go take a nap. I would just think she was smarter and prettier. (laughs) Your adolescent puppy is tired. If we're going to keep them up to just argue with them, well, what the heck is the point of that? That's right. And the other thing then is what you're doing is you're training the brain to be like that. One of the problems I have found, or one of the things I think most people don't realize, is how malleable perhaps the puppy and adolescent brain is. And the more you train it to be hysterical, the more that's what the brain is going to be is hysterical. So what you need to do is realize that by getting him by by recognizing when he's tired and getting him down for a nap and getting him the sleep he needs, you are actually giving the brain time to repair. You're giving the time the, the brain time to grow the way it's supposed to. And if you keep him up and let him get hysterical, then that's how the brain is going to grow. Right. So so what I would actually tell people is instead of let the puppy play for 45 minutes. I would do it the opposite direction. I would say, let the puppy play for 15 minutes, potty them, and then give them something amazing to chew on in their crate, right? Um, There's a company that makes something called No Hide that appears to be highly digestible. My dogs are totally digging it. Um, A stuffed frozen Kong, a stuffed frozen carrot in a stuffed frozen Kong, um, a licky mat, what you know, bully stick, whatever is your your awesome chew toy du jour. Put the puppy down for the last fifteen minutes of that playtime, or the last thirty minutes of that playtime, with the opportunity to 
to have their funnel of activity settle down and move into sleep. So instead of, I'm waiting for you to get exhausted so that then I can argue with you about you need a nap, I don't need a nap, you need a nap, I don't need a nap. Instead, go, you had a really good time playing with your toys for 15 minutes, let's potty, and here's something for you to chew and suck on in your crate or in your, wherever you contain the the dog, the kitchen, whatever it is, and I'm just going to leave that brain alone and let it settle on its own. It does. It just does. Like we're setting it up. We're preempting all the crazy. Well, when I say 45 minutes, I'm not talking about 45 minutes of play. I'm saying this is how long the dog should be up between naps is no more than 45 minutes. I have one client whose dog, she knows that at 30 minutes is what her dog can give her. At 31, we've lost it. So at 20 minutes, she is... The dog's starting to whine. She's got the dog out and pottying and, you know, picking out a toy and a treat and getting her in the crate by 30 minutes because at 31, the dog's lost it. And I'm like, bravo. And that works in her routine. The dog will sleep for a few hours. But she's had to and – it's, and it works also too because she, she – of course, we all work from home now. So when I say 45 minutes, what I'm talking about is the dog should be up no more than 45 minutes between naps. Most people, they, yeah. when I say half and an hour, they lose be, it. They can't, most people can't handle, my dog's only up for half an hour. So, okay, if I give them 45, that seems to be a manageable amount of time for them to digest. Got to work with the families, set, too. And, and set a timer on your phone, right? Right? And what I would say is, I'm going to tell you, I don't ever tell people 45 minutes, ever. That's way too much. That's way too much for an adolescent. But if that works for you, great. Like, I don't. I'm like, do you, if you've, how long has the puppy been staying up? They're like, well, two hours. I'm like, great. Let's try 20 minutes and see how that goes for 10 days or two weeks. If, if, if behavior is better at the end of two weeks, well, then we're going to stay on that schedule for maybe three or four weeks and then try going 25 minutes and build on success instead of building on failure. Because I will also say one of the the interesting things, like all three of the puppies you brought to us are puppies that people constantly tell me, well, it's a blah, blah, blah. So it needs a ton of exercise. And so I'm just, cause I can hear you dear listener thinking that I'm full of malarkey, which is by the way, my middle name. Um, so the reality is if I'm a marathon runner and Christopher is a marathon runner and we have a baby, it's not a marathon runner. It's a baby. So I don't care what breed the dog is. It could be a Vishla. I don't care. It's still a teenage puppy. It could be a Jack Russell. It's still a teenage puppy. Do they have exercise requirements? You betcha. And do those vary? Absolutely. But not so much when they're teenagers. More so when they're adults. And and I would say that how they exercise is different, right? A hound, I'm a beagle puppy, I'm going to broadcast food out into the grass and let them go sniff. They're going to have a great time with that. A, a lab puppy, we might be playing fetch. And a shepherd puppy, we might be playing tug. Right? We, we might be playing find your Kongs that I've hidden all over the house. Right? Like, we might have a different level of stimulation, but it's it's really predictable to me that the overtired puppy is going to be aroused, 
and they're going to be barky and bitey and negative attention seeking. That's what they're going to do. Right. So I think that if you were to sum up for in, in with, um, infant, young adolescent dogs, young and adolescent dogs, and you're having a problem with over arousal and nippiness and attention seeking and other negative behaviors, maybe um, excessive mouthiness, a lot of pawing. One of the things you really need to think about is how do I get my dog down for a nap? Think in terms of keeping the dog up for a shorter period of time. Help walk, look for signals that they're winding down, such as they stop bringing the ball to you if you're playing fetch. Maybe they lay down and start chewing on the toy. This is your cue to take them out to potty, then take them and their toy and a tasty treat to their crate. Put them in. The other thing is let's set up the crate. It doesn't. This is not solitary confinement. This should be a nice place to go to. So we go to our crate and perhaps it's in a back room and the shades are down and you have a cover over the crate and you have white noise playing or through a dog's ear music playing and you have um, this tasty treat and you put them in the crate and the white noise or the through the dog's ear music doesn't need to be terribly soft. It needs to be loud enough that they hear it. Or another great thing that dogs like, books, audiobooks. Um, Mar- our burner loved uh, J.R. Tolkien. The Two Towers was his favorite. So put that on, set him in there, let him take a nap. Remember, this is the. I think one of the other mistakes that people do is they tend to put the crate in the middle of the family room or the kitchen where people are going all the time and they don't cover the crate or they don't make it a nice, quiet, safe place for the dog to be. So I think you can help your dog nap by giving him a good nap place. Honestly, I, if I really want to nap, I lay down on my bed because I will sleep really well there. But otherwise, I'll go into um, our, our library and I turn on the fire and get under the covers and the dog usually joins me and I take a nice little nap. I'm not napping on the kitchen counter, right? Or on the kitchen table or in the middle of the kitchen floor. I try to go someplace that's, that's quieter, darker, more comfortable. So think of it that way for your dog. If you want them to take a nap, then give them a good nap spot. Right. And if kids are home, right, like here, we've gone to a certain extent back to online learning. My guess is we're headed back to another shutdown. So I need a plan. So I often, with adolescent puppies, have two crates for the dog. One in the main part of the house that I can do inclusion, right, that if somebody breaks a light bulb, I can put the dog in the crate and I don't have to, like, figure out how to levitate them through the room. So where there's main activity, if the doorbell rings, I can put my puppy away so it's not sneaking out the front door while I'm trying to bring in a bunch of parcels. And then I have another crate in a quiet part of the house that I have music set up. I The crate's not looking out a window. They have yummy things to chew on. I have pheromone plugged in. So there's a place that the dog can just let the world go a little bit. Right. Um, and I think that that's so, going to really help your 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 dog to settle down for a nap if you give them a place that's nap worthy. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Now, for some puppies, you can do that in the backyard. Like right now, while we're recording this, Jack is laying in the sun, sleeping in the backyard. Okay. Well, Zuzu right? is half under my desk, half on um her bone. She's got a big fluffy bone. 
So um, she, but you know, she's, she's five years old. So she settles down for naps pretty well. Clemmy naps pretty well. So I think that what we need to remind our owners here is that you actually are the parent and you can say, um, you know, this behavior it may be understandable because you need a nap or you're overexcited or whatever, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I can help you become the dog, the good dog I know is in there somewhere by helping you get more well, sleep and, um, right. you know, providing for him the things that he really needs to be that healthy, happy adolescent who then will evolve into the healthy, happy adult dog that you really want. So yeah, I like to explain it by build up again, build on success instead of building on frustration, right? If I have to scream and yell at Julie to get her to stop doing something, well, that's not very good for anybody. It's definitely not good for our relationship, right? So if instead I can see what the precursors are and stop things while it's still good, then it doesn't, it doesn't get sideways. And that feels a little bit wrong. Like it almost feels like you're punishing them for behaving. And I think that's the resistance I hear from parents. They're enjoying their adolescent puppy who's cute and adorable and still derpy. Um, and so they feel bad going here, go take a nap instead of realizing they're, they're, it's like, do you feed them when they're starving or do you feed them when you know they're going to start getting hungry? I, I nap them when I know they're going to start needing a nap, not waiting until they're slangry. Right. And I think that, that that's the thing is I think sometimes people need permission to to take action at a time that it seems like I'm not sure I should take action. Should I? Yes, you should take action now. And I'm giving you permission to parent your dog more effectively. Well, and make and make your relationship with them better and easier, right? Like, it's easier on us. It's easier on them. Like there's an awful lot of really good. Again, like I don't want to build a relationship on angst no. and on frustration. Right. Right. You want to build a, a relationship that, and the other thing is I kind of feel like if you do this, right. And, and you start building this relationship based on, I am understanding what your needs are and I'm going to help you, achieve that I'm going to help fulfill those needs um your dog is going to trust you and you know be comfortable and confident in the relationship with you well and, and if your puppy if you feel like okay my dog wants something and we just can't figure out what it is the dog doesn't know either <laughs> <laughs> that's right right they're so tired they don't know what they want either right so so if I screw it up, if I get it completely sideways and we hit that moment, I go, you know what, dog, let's go do the snuffle mat for a handful of food or let me grab your Kong that's stuffed or frozen or let me grab your no hide or whatever it is. And, and we're just going to we're just going to stop. I'm just going to put you in your crate. I'm going to give you something to chew on. If you're fussy, I'm just going to sit there with you reading my book or saying my rosary or breathing in and out and doing meditation. So that all of our arousal is coming down and the dog can go to sleep. And I just, I, I really do. I just go, oh man, I blew it. Like however long you were up, that was on me. That was my mistake. 
right. because that doesn't feel good for them either. Right. And, and then when you take that 10 minutes or five minutes or 15 minutes to bring everybody down, right? It's like, I don't have time to do this. Do you have time to argue with the dog for the next 45? You know, maybe, maybe realizing I should have done this sooner. So let's see what we can do to bring everybody down. Spending that 15 minutes is probably going to save you time on the other end as well when you have. Right. I much would have rather been able to get the coffee when I was out and about and fully caffeinated than to have to go get coffee in my pajamas when it was cold and I really, really had already wanted coffee. Right. But you do what you got to do and you try to, 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 to it's kind of like, you know, it running out of coffee is, is, is kind of like, Oh, I can't, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, we have, um, there's I a local, co- bacon. there's a co- local coffee roaster and he lives just a few streets over from us. And so we buy our coffee locally from this local roaster and it arrives every Sunday morning. Well, usually Saturday is about the last we pot we've been able to make. And so we get up and we go to mass and the best, one of the best parts about mass is coming home and finding that box of coffee on my front porch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm like, no, no, no. I will order an extra box so that there is always a box in reserve. Yeah, well, I do have some reserve coffee. I always have. They don't do decaf, and everyone's why I want some decaf. But anyway, so I think the whole point of this this caffeinated episode is that you don't <laughs> want to deal with a caffeinated dog, which is kind of what's happening when you don't give them enough sleep. It's like putting them on caffeine. So let's decaffeinate our dogs. Let's help them be the best dogs that they can be. Develop their brains in the way that they should be developed, and so that we have happy, healthy, uncaffeinated adult dogs. So, with that, Tina, one thing I did want to say is you have sent me a series of videos on sleep. Are those available on YouTube for our listeners to watch, or did you? Uh, I, I. I think they are, but I can send you the video links. That would be great. And you, we'll put those you can put them in the show notes. That's what I was going to do. Put them in the show notes. Tina does a great job of explaining sleep. There's there's five little videos. They're each about three minutes long, so it's not going to take you days to watch this. I really encourage you, if you haven't been convinced by our caffeinated talk today, watch the videos because they will convince well, you that what you need to do is help your dog get some more sleep. So, so I will say this about sleep, and you're probably going to be really mad as you're trying to edit this whole thing because we're jumping around. But when Marco was about seven or eight months old, I had someone say, well, if you just let him stay up and you didn't put him on a sleep schedule, how long would he stay up? And it's actually this, this photo is one of my favorite photos. I'll have to see if I can find it for you. I have this photo He looks like a pancake dog. He played like he was up and active, eating, peeing, pooping, playing for 20 hours. Oh, my heavens. All of my other dogs were like, no, no, we're going to bed. We're doing something else. He he stayed. He fought sleep for 20 hours and then slept. I was afraid he was dead slept for like 16 hours straight, woke up, pottied, ate, pottied, slept for another eight. And he was sideways behaviorally for the better part of five days. 
Now, that's just a study of one. But what I would say is it was really epiphanal to me because I didn't know. Like, I had always had him on a sleep schedule. So I didn't know, like, how long would the goofball try to keep himself awake? So it's kind of like if you had a, I don't know, a 13-year-old boy. Like, if you left him to his own devices, how long would he do stuff before he finally just ran out of gas and fell asleep? And I, my guess is that it's a pretty big, scary, terrifying, ugly, not fun to recover from number. So you cannot exercise exhaustion out of a puppy. You cannot no, 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 no bad dog your way to success. So if you've tried exercise, if you tried telling them no, if you tried entertaining and enriching them, try sleep. It's free. That's right. The other thing I will say, too, is that it is known that um, there are many, many psychological problems that are either caused or exacerbated by lack of sleep in humans. So um, I remember there was a Dick Van Dyke episode where Dick Van Dyke was, a, he was like a, a show, a host for a radio program. And he was supposed to stay up for, I don't know, two days or something. And by, and this was all a comedy show and, and he was very funny, but by the end he was totally psychotic and that happens to people. I know that if I don't get enough sleep, I am not at my best. And I think that, that how can we expect our dogs to be at their best and not to have some emotional baggage going on if they don't have enough rest to recharge their brains? I think it works for people and I think it works for dogs. Sleep is something that's found throughout the animal kingdom. So I think it's something that maybe we ought to pay closer attention to. So there you go. Don't become Dick Van Dyke after being up for... Two days and totally psychotic, although it's a funny episode. Um, with that, get some sleep for your dog. And we'll see you next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.